Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like to talk about or discuss from a biblical point of view and perspective. I'd love to have those conversations with you, hopefully answer some of your questions. I'd love to pray with you if you have any prayer requests. So give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897 for the text line. I want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. I also want to welcome those who are tuning in on the East Coast, on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those tuning in on, in Tennessee and North Carolina on Truth FM. Welcome to the program. We're so glad that you are tuning in with us today. Again, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life or in society that you'd like to discuss from a biblical point of view or perspective. Hopefully we can answer your questions and bring clarity where they're Perhaps hasn't been clarity in the past. And this is also a show where you can call in with your prayer requests. We'd love to pray for you and just serve you in these ways here on the air. You know, the vision behind this show is to give you a lifeline, give you a, a place where you can call in with your questions and your uh, needs and just have a, a forum to discuss those and get questions answered, be prayed for here on the air with the whole community of people tuning in right now. You know, maybe you have a question that you've been wondering about and you feel like, oh, you know, you're shy to call in. Maybe, you know, maybe that's not a very good question. Well, I would just encourage you that there's probably somebody else out there who has that same question that you have. And hopefully, you know, as you are brave and call in with your question, then it's going to be helpful for somebody else who might be wondering about the same thing or maybe struggling with the same thing. So give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, 720-336-0897. Just a reminder that those of you listening on the East Coast and in the area around Tennessee, you are hearing the program on a one-week delay. So we want you to keep that in mind and know about it, but we would love for you to still call in and be part of the show. And you guys actually have a unique opportunity where you can uh, call in, and then, you, again, you'll be on the air a week later. But I think the cool opportunity there is that you will have the chance to tell some of your friends and family members, hey, I'm going to be on the air on this radio station at this and this time. And the great thing about that is it's a it's a really cool way for you to introduce people 
to the program and to the show by telling them to tune in to listen to you. And hopefully they can even become regular listeners to that station and God can use that in their lives. We know that God's word, when it goes out, it accomplishes that which he sends it to accomplish. It never comes back void. And so we want to get the word of God into people's ears so they can get into their hearts and God can do a transforming work in them. So we'd love it if you'd share about the station you're listening on um, to your friends and family members, whether it's Grace FM or Truth FM or Hope FM. And we also want to give a big hello to everybody who listens online or on the website. There's an increasing number of you. In fact, I just got the map sent to me right now of everybody who's tuning in online and uh, quite a lot today joining online everywhere from the Midwest to the Southwest to the Northwest, uh, a lot here in Colorado on the Front Range. You've also got a lot on the Eastern Seaboard, also as well down in Louisiana. And so we are glad to have you tuning in wherever you're tuning in from. And if you are an online listener, we'd love for you to call in as well. Join us online. Uh, give us a call. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text us 720-336-0897. If you haven't done so yet, also encourage you to go and get the Grace FM mobile app. So if you uh, don't have that yet on your phone, it would be really great if you would go to your app store and just type in Grace FM as one word. You'll be able to download it from there for free. And then once you have that on your device, whether your tablet or your phone, you can go ahead and tune into this program and any of the programs that run here on Grace FM, solid Bible teaching all day long and, uh, and good worship music in between as well. So you can tune in uh, over your phone <clears throat> through the app and you can also do it in your browser by going to gracefm.com. So if you haven't got that app yet, we really encourage you to do so. You can listen anywhere in the world uh, outside of our broadcast range. And of course, we see all these listeners, you know, a lot of these people, most of them actually tuning in from areas where we don't have over the air broadcasts. We also have one listener right now from Ukraine. So welcome to you and glad that you can join us. And, and that's the option that we have now with the Internet. So cool. So you online listeners, we want to hear from you. I want to hear from some of you guys who are outside of our broadcast range. That would be really cool. So give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. Six nine zero three thousand, or text us seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. That's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven for the text line. Again, this is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, maybe something that you've found confusing or unclear. We would love to discuss that with you and hopefully answer those Bible questions you have and pray for your prayer requests. So give us a call. Just a few words about myself. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And I'm your host here on Calvary Live every Friday. But today I'm filling in for Pastor Jeff Figgs, who usually hosts on Tuesday. And so just a few words about our church. If you are not familiar with us, we're located in Longmont, Colorado. We recently moved. So we actually moved right at the beginning of the uh, pandemic and the quarantine and all the lockdown stuff, stay-at-home order. So our church moved. We've been for years uh, renting a facility where we had to set up and take down for a couple hundred people every Sunday, and that was really hard on our church and things like that. We've been praying for years that God would open up a door for us to get our own 
permanent facility and that happened this year in March so we're really thankful for that and we have now had three Sundays worth of worth of service in our new facility of course you know maintaining social distance and keeping to all the CDC and state of Colorado guidelines but it has been in spite of those you know social distancing measures it's just been so good and encouraging and glorious for us to be able to gather and see the faces you know I think about what Paul said about the Thessalonians you know he says I've been separated from you for a time in in person but not in spirit and he says I long to see your faces and so it's been so good these past few weeks to see faces you know and to um, to open the Bible together to stand in the same room and praise the Lord and hear other people singing and praising him as well it's been really good and really encouraging if you are in the Longmont area or within you know driving distance from Longmont we'd love to have you join us at this new location come see our new place and worship with us celebrate with us it is located here's the address 2950 Colorful Avenue. That's 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504. And what that 80504 means that we're on the east side of Longmont. So we are just east of County Line Road on Ken Pratt Boulevard. So we're just on the north side of Ken Pratt Boulevard. And if you know where Sandstone Ranch Sports Complex is, we're directly north of there on the north side of Ken Pratt, which is also Highway 119 here in Colorado. And we are directly, we're like right in the middle of Longmont City Center and I-25. So if you get off I-25 at Highway 119, head west. We're just a few miles west of Highway or I-25 right before you get to County Line Road. Uh, right across from a Walmart and the uh, Sandstone Ranch Sports Complex here with the skate park and soccer fields. Uh, we're just on the north side of Highway 119. We'd love to have you join us. 2950 Colorful Avenue. Our services are at 9 and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. 9 and 11. And they're both in person and online at those times. So if you're not able to join us in person, but you'd still like to join us online, we have our services are broadcasting at 9 and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings on our website and on our YouTube and Facebook. So our website is whitefieldschurch.com. It's whitefieldschurch.com. You can go there and find more information about us. You can find out about what what's new with us and what we're all about. And you can listen to some of the past messages. You can also check us out on youtube.com slash whitefieldschurch and facebook.com slash whitefieldschurch. I'm also here on Grace FM every uh, weekday at 2.30 p.m and Sundays at 10 a.m. So every weekday at 2.30 and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. is when our messages air here on Grace FM. So I believe we still have all open lines right now. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Again, this is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life. We'd love to talk with you and pray for you. So 303-690-3000 or text us 720-336-0897. So we have a text message that came in. Let's read this one. Uh, this person says, Hi, Pastor. I was thinking of moving to Colorado. Could you give me the current status there with the virus? Is it worse as some other states? And would you pray for our move there? So this is from Lori and Jojo. Okay, so um, I have been checking all the state of Colorado guidelines and the coronavirus updates. It seems that the cases in Colorado have been declining a lot. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of room at the hospitals, which is really good. That's what we prayed for. That's what we worked hard for. And um, so I would say the status is good and improving. I know that there's been some recent uh, spreading of it here in our county, in Boulder County. But um, aside from that, I know that um, most of the state is going down. So let's pray for your move. Heavenly Father, I pray for Lori and Jojo and their move to Colorado. Lord, I pray that you would give them guidance and blessing. Lord, show them what to do, where to move to. And Lord, we pray for them that they would be safe. We also pray for those who are currently uh, suffering with the coronavirus. Lord, we pray that you would protect them, save their lives. Lord, we pray that you would cause immunity to rise. And Lord, we pray that this virus would be wiped out from the face of the earth and from our state. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Lori, Lori and Jojo, God bless you. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you more and seeing you. Uh, next text message that just came in says, Good afternoon. Where in the Bible might I find verses addressing racism? I have been upset because, or I have upset many because I support the police and what they do minus their evil deeds and feel that I need to meditate on God's word more so I can communicate more lovingly and clearly. Yeah, that's a great question as far as what does the Bible say about um, racism. So, you know, racism as a term is something that's probably more recent, but as a theological premise, it's something which the Bible has a lot to say about. And I would encourage you to go to our podcast and listen to some of the past episodes that Pastor Ed has done over the past two weeks. Uh, you can find our podcast by going into a podcast search engine, whichever one you use, or even just Googling Calvary Live Podcast. And some of the episodes from last week um, and the week before, Pastor Ed was doing some discussions on the pod, on this uh, call-in show here with, with some African-American people and just discussing the issue of racism. But let me give you a kind of a theological premise for it, and that is that the biggest thing we can say that the Bible has to say about um, racism or about race in general is just that the nature of our humanity, right? So this would go to what we call anthropology. So the nature of us as human beings is that we are created in the image of God. That's what we're like the very first, th one of the very first things that we're told in the Bible that God created the human beings. He created male and female. He created them and he created them in his own image. So we are image bearers of God and we are created in his image. Now, what does that mean? Now, there's actually probably a lot of things that that means. Not like an infinite number, but it does mean more than one thing. And one of the things that really communicates to us, though, is that all people have innate value. And that's, uh, that's really important. What that means is that there, there's no such thing as a person having more value or more dignity than another person as a human being. And this is, this is not just for race. This is also important when it comes to issues of ability versus disability, when it comes to gender issues, when it comes to things like, you know, male or female, are we equal? The Bible would say, yes, we're equal before God. We might have different roles, but we're equal in value before God. And the same is true of people of different ethnicities. Now, you might ask the question, where did the idea of ethnicity or race even come from? So from the Bible, we would go back to Genesis, uh, book of Genesis, chapters 6 through 9. 
where we can see kind of the origins of race and racial differences. And that would be with Noah. You remember Noah and the ark, and then he has three sons. They branch out into different parts of the world. And what happens shortly after the episode with Noah is that as the world begins to be repopulated, it says that the people tried to build this tower as a monument to themselves. Uh, I think if you look into it, you can also see that they were trying to save themselves from the judgment of God and the efforts of their own hands. And as they're doing that, you know, they call that the Tower of Babel. It says that God dispersed them throughout the world and he mixed up their languages so that they couldn't understand each other. And so as people's languages were were mixed and differentiated, those people, of course, would be isolated into their own language groups, at least more so. I mean, they could still learn each other's languages, but as we know in the world, right, a lot of, a lot of the um, people gather around others who speak their own language. And so as languages were separated and people moved out and, and settled different parts of the earth, of course, we see, you know, different pigmentations um, developing in, in groups of people more or less, we see uh, different customs being developed amongst different people groups who are isolated from each other. And that's where we get this idea of race and all of that. But we remember this, that the Bible says that we all come from one common ancestor. And that's different than like, say, uh, a purely evolutionary point of view, which was really common even a hundred years ago. I mean, this is a lot of what led to some of the atrocities that took place in World War II and the Holocaust and things like that was this idea that um, people of different races actually evolved separate from one another. Now, we as Christians don't believe that at all. We believe that all people, no matter the color of their skin, no matter where they're from or what language they speak, and again, gender versus and poverty, you know, poverty and wealth, uh, male and female, when it gets to issues of ability versus disability. See, the, the Bible gives us a very clear theology of human anthropology, and that anthropology is that we all have unique and equal and innate value no one's more value than no one's more or less valuable than any other person before god no matter how much money they have no matter where they're from what they look like how much they can or can't do um, etc so where does that come from well i'll tell you the other thing about racism that i would want you to know and that is this that the issue with racism becomes one of identity. Why is it that people are racist? Well, it's the same reason why um, they people do other things, like um, you know they'll be tribal in different ways. It, see, here's the thing: Paul the apostle actually talks about having you know a sense of racial superiority before he came to Christ. So we can find that in Philippians chapter three. You know, it's been said that the a lot of our problems as human beings all stem from trying to find an identity or make an identity for ourselves apart from Jesus, right? In other words, rather than asking God who he says we are, we try to create a name or an identity for ourselves. That's actually the same problem that happened at the Tower of Babel as well. But we see in Philippians chapter 3, Paul starts out there and he says, you know what? I used to build my identity on all kinds of other things apart from Jesus before I knew him. And he says, here's some of those things. He says, if anyone thinks they can boast in their flesh, I can boast more. He says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. What's he boasting in there? He's boasting in his racial superiority. He says, I used to have a sense of racial superiority other, over other people. I used to 
tell myself that I was okay by looking down on other people for various reasons. One of them was race. Then he goes on, because I was a Pharisee. So there's an issue of function. I thought that because I was part of this elite group of people, I considered myself better than others, and I had a sense of self-righteousness and self-justification that I told myself, because you're better than others and you do this, that makes you have more value. That makes you okay in God's eyes. And um, the other one, he says, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So he's boasting now in his moral superiority. You know, this is what we do when we look at our neighbors and we say, hey, I may not be perfect, but hey, at least I'm better than that guy, right? At least I'm better than him or her. And what we are doing is we're building an identity for ourselves by tearing somebody else down in order to make ourselves feel better. And that's, that's a really destructive thing. But he says, you know what? Whatever gain I had, all these things that I did and built my identity upon, whether it was racial superiority, whether it was intellectual superiority, whether it was moral superiority, he says, I now count all of those things as loss. The actual word here is, he says, I count them as dung because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him with a righteousness, or we could say with an identity that is not of my own making, but comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Okay, so all that to say this. Here's one final thought. Um, the Bible also talks about racial diversity as being something which, um, something which will probably exist for all of eternity. And in this way, racial diversity should be something we celebrate, something that God celebrates, right? And, he, and let me give you some examples why. The, the point here with um, race in the Bible, it, there, it's talked about very often in the word nations. So sometimes when you read your Bible, let's see, Jesus says, for example, go and make disciples of all nations. What is he saying? We, we tend to kind of conflate the ideas of nation and country, right? We'll talk about... Uh, being in the American, you know, the United States as a nation. Well, the way that the word historically has been used and meant is that the word nation refers to an ethnic group. And so a country would be, you know, uh, let's say a borders, right? They exist over a country or what's the word I'm looking for? Political, geographical entities. Whereas the word nations refers to ethnic groups. And in fact, here's what's so interesting is that in the Bible, in Greek, the word for nations is the word ethne, from which we get our word ethnic, right? Ethnicity. And so the Bible says a few things about that. It says, let the nations, in other words, let the ethnicities, the different ethnicities of the world, be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. And so, for example, Russia is a country but it's made up of 185 nations or ethnic groups. You know, Canada is a country, but it, it has these things called, they call them first nations. That's how they refer to their indigenous people groups. So when God says that, he's referring to the different ethnic groups of the world. And here's what's so interesting. It says in Acts chapter 17 that God made from one man um, every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. In other words, 
the ethnic divisions that exist, let's not call them divisions, let's call them diversity, that exist, says that they were actually designed and ordained by God. And he says he has determined their allotted periods in the boundaries of their dwelling place so that they should seek God and find him. In other words, why do people live in the places they live? Why are there different groups that have different cultural practices? This is saying that it is through the design of God so that these people would actually seek him. That's his ultimate goal. And here's the last thing I want to say on this ethnic diversity thing, is that if you look at Revelation chapter 7, we see that in heaven there is ethnic diversity around the throne of God, and that that ethnic diversity is something which God celebrates and which he is happy about, right? And so it says, Behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every tribe, tongue, and nation, standing before the throne of God, clothed in white robes with palm branches, singing together, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And I would actually argue that because we see that in Revelation around the throne of God, that that means the ethnic uh, diversity is something which will exist in eternity. Now, we can't know that for sure, um, but it does seem to be alluding to that. And so I hope that gives you a little bit of bearing as far as where to go with uh, questions of racism and ethnic diversity. But uh, let's go ahead and uh, pray for your prayer requests. Well, I want to pray for you just as, you know, I think it's possible to love and support the police and to love and support minorities. And here's the thing I want you to know. A lot of these people, they want to be heard. You know, people, when we're talking about minorities who are saying very loudly that they have been treated badly, that they've been, that they are not being treated fairly, that we should listen to that. We should, we should hear them out. It doesn't mean that we don't support our police if we hear them out and listen to their stories and tell them that we're sorry that these things are happening to them. We can do both. We really should. Here's the other thing. We cannot let this divide us as Christians. We have a higher calling and something where we have to seek the unity uh, of the church. In fact, that's what we're told in Ephesians chapter 4. You know, He says, strive to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace and bear with one another in humility and gentleness and bear with one another in love with humility and gentleness and patience, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So I see we actually have another race question that just came in, and I'd love to answer that one in a second. But I will also um, go ahead and pray for this one. And just for, for posterity's sake, for those who will tune in later, or maybe you'll tune in next week, um, this show is airing on June 23rd, 2020. So let's go ahead and pray for this. Heavenly Father, we do pray for the tensions in our country right now. I know that some of them are good, and the, you're going to bring good things out of them. Lord, help us as your people to know how do we walk this line between supporting those who um, have taken it as their life's calling and life's work to uh, provide security services as police officers and first responders. How do we support and love them and, and at the same time listen to and love and support minority brothers and sisters who are saying we haven't been treated fairly. We've been mistreated. We don't feel like we're, we're given an even playing field. Lord, how do we listen to them? How do we love them? How do we support them and do both at the same time? We need your wisdom. We need guidance. We need grace in order to do that. And we ask, Lord, for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Hey, I want to just uh, tell this texture. I think that was good that you said you want to be able to communicate lovingly and clearly. I think that's really important is to communicate lovingly and clearly. I also think that there's a big sense in which uh, many of us, this is a time for many of us to just listen and, um, you know, listen to stories, listen to people who are telling us something that might be different than what we're used to hearing. Uh, that that's a really important thing. I think Pastor Ed's done a really good job of that by inviting some other voices onto the show recently. Another question that came in was this idea of what is the curse of Canaan? And uh, it's also known as the curse of Cain. And some people out there have actually um, been told that the curse of Cain was um, related to race. In other words, um, that some people were cursed with dark skin as a mar as the mark of Cain. Is that true? Of course, it, it's not true. And I'm going to explain that right after our break. But right now we've come up on our mid-show break. Uh, it's time for us to do that. Thirty or Two-minute break. We'd love for you to call in. Give us a call afterwards. Let's talk about this or any questions or prayer requests you have. 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, or with your prayer requests, we'd love to hear for you, or love to hear from you. Love to pray for you. Give us a call. The number is three zero three six nine zero three thousand. It's three zero three six nine zero three thousand, or text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. That's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Um, we right before the break, we were talking about race and what does the bible say about it we kind of gave i kind of gave you a, a pretty long overview of what the bible has to say on the topic of human anthropology how it is that we got different races and uh what god how god feels about different ethnicities and ethnic diversity i think there's more to say on that topic i think that um you know we could get into the idea of cultures that within every culture because human beings make up cultures there are certain parts of every culture which will be um which will give you know they will truly reflect something about the nature of god or the image of god that we bear and there will be other ways in which that culture will not accurately reflect the image of god that we bear and so, you know, these are things, there are some things in every culture that we want to affirm and we would use them as bridges, let's say, in talking to someone about the gospel. And then there are other things that we would want to challenge in every culture when it comes to issues of, um, you know, the things that they are doing in that culture, which are things that we would challenge rather than affirm in that culture. But one of the questions that came in also via text before them before that was what is this thing about the curse of Cain is that you know what was the mark that God put on Cain and what was the nature of it and 
did it have something to do with skin tone and that that's actually found in genesis 4 verse 15 and what it says is that after cain killed his brother abel god told cain now you are under a curse you are driven from the ground which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand when you work the ground it will no longer yield its crops for you you will be reth a restless wanderer on the earth. In response, Cain lamented and said, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. And God responded, No, if anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. Now, it's been a, it's, what is this? We're not exactly sure what the mark of Cain is. Some people say maybe it was a scar. Maybe it was a tattoo. Um, it was some sort of indicator that would, essentially what it marked was that Cain was under the protection of God. Now, here's what's so interesting is that in the past, uh, at different times in history, it was believed that the mark of Cain was dark skin and that God made Cain's skin black in order for people to identify him. Now, let me just say, on the one hand, uh, not only is that racist, but it is like totally biblically completely inaccurate for several reasons. Let me give you a couple. First of all, let's remember that Cain lived before the flood. So the only people who, the flood was like a restart, right? The only people who survived after the flood were the son, Noah and his sons and their wives. And so it doesn't really make any sense to say that, um, you know, Cain had black skin and all the people who are descended with dark skin are therefore descendants of Cain. And this is some sort of curse that God put upon them. Secondly, we don't believe at all that dark skin is a curse. Um, in fact, it, it's a blessing for people who live in warm areas of the world to have more pigment in their skin. And finally, let me just also say this. The curse that was put on Cain was not anything to do with the mark. The mark was not the curse. What was actually the curse in this story about Cain was that he would have toil under the the sun. He will work the ground and it will not yield its crops for you. That's the curse. The mark that was visible for people to see was actually God's gracious protection of Cain so that other people would not be able to... Uh, carry out vengeance upon him. The idea of vengeance comes from the idea that in the ancient world, there were no police. There was no jail system. It was kind of a little bit anarchical, you know? And so what would happen is that if somebody killed somebody else, then that person would be fair game that other people, you know, what we would call um, rogue justice or something, right? They would be able to go out and enact vengeance on that person who had killed somebody else. And of course, you know, when the law of God came along, it it actually brought some standards to how vengeance was carried out. And that goes along with another question that was texted in that I'll get to in just a second. But this idea of the sign, the curse, um, it was, or so the sign of Cain, the point is, it's not a curse. So first of all, it, it's it's so wrong on so many for so many reasons to say that that would have been dark skin. But it's also missing the entire point of what the mark of Cain was. It was not a curse. It was grace. It was mercy that God showed to Cain. And so uh, I hope that answers your question on that. 
Um, and it looks like that Curse of Cain theory, um, it didn't originate with the LDS church, but it says that uh, we read that it was certainly popularized by Joseph Smith, um, in, especially as, as far back as 1831. Uh, there's a speech here from Brigham Young that someone just sent me that was in 1852, kind of popularizing the same idea that um, black skin is a sign of the curse. In fact, there's a there's a real long history of, of um, you know, kind of that racism being carried out uh, through LDS doctrine and then later changed. And so that's a, that's a whole different topic. But on the topic of um, whether the curse of Cain or the mark of Cain was dark skin, we can categorically say no. So I hope that answers that question. Thank you for calling in. Now, I said we had a related question that was texted in, and that is this. Someone texted in and said, Hey, Pastor Nick, I'd like some clarification on Leviticus chapter 24, verses 19 through 20, and how it contrasts with what Jesus said about turning the other cheek. I'm a little confused. Does Leviticus literally say to repay a fracture for a fracture? So let's look up Leviticus 24 for this caller, or this texture, and here's what it says. Leviticus 24, verses 19 through 20 says, If anyone injures his neighbor, as he has done, it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, whatever injury he has given a person shall be given to him. And of course, you know, that's contrasted then with what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus said, if someone strikes you on the cheek, don't strike them back, but uh, turn the other cheek. In fact, he said, if someone s strikes you on the, I think he said the right cheek, and I'm going to look that up, but uh, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, and I think that's that's important that he actually clarifies which side, and I'll explain why. Uh, because this is not the same as breaking a bone. This is more of an insult. But let me find that here. Retaliation. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, this is Matthew chapter 5, verse 39, uh, turn to him the other also. Let's just think about that. How does someone slap you on the right cheek, assuming that the majority of people are right-handed? Well, either they slapped you with their left hand or what it's referring to, think about it, it's a backhanded slap, right? The only way to slap someone on the right side of their face with your right hand is to hit them with the back of your hand. And so what Jesus is referring to here is not abuse, right? Some people have used this verse as kind of a, 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 a point of saying, isn't Jesus saying that you should just tolerate abuse? And that's not at all what Jesus is saying. He's referring to an insult, right? You, we even say that in English. Um, we say a backhanded slap. It means uh, someone insulting you, um, not harming you physically, but, you know, stinging slap on the face as opposed to breaking a bone. So it's two different things. Um, but Jesus is, he does say, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus is saying, He's calling us to something higher. Now, let me go back and explain what was the thinking, the context behind and the purpose of the law that was given. So when the law of Moses was given, as I mentioned before, that, that what existed was this kind of rogue justice where people would go out and they would enact vengeance on other people because there wasn't an organized system 
for how to deal with those things. Now, those systems did exist in different times and different places, but the people of God were given a categorical law in the law of Moses that told them not only how to deal with things on a spiritual level, not only how to deal with things on a, what do you call them, ceremonial level, but also how to deal with things on a civic level. And so here's what it was saying. What, essentially what the law was doing, it was saying there should be equity and there should be fairness because the tendency in ancient society and, and nowadays as well too, I think this hasn't changed in the human heart, is that we have this tendency or desire to want to repay someone who has hurt us by doing something more to them than they did to you. In other words, um, you know, they took one of this thing from you, well, you're going to take two back from them and teach them a lesson, right? That, that's our human fleshly tendency. And so the law was, was dealing, it, let's put it this way, the law of Moses was not dealing with a society that majored on forgiveness, but rather one which majored on retribution. And the purpose of the law was to protect an over-retaliation for an offense. So the point of the law wasn't primarily mercy and forgiveness. The point of the law was equity in punishment, making sure that the punishment met the crime. And here's what Jesus is doing. He's saying he's calling us to go above and beyond what's fair, right? He's calling us to go to mercy and grace, not just justice. So whereas the law, again, was for a civic purpose, which was for a society that, again, did not major on forgiveness, but majored on retribution and retaliation. Jesus comes along later on and he says, okay, look, you've heard it said, this is the law, right? And that there's nothing wrong with the law. The law, as we're told in Romans, is good and perfect and true. And yet Jesus is saying, but let's go to something better, right? We're, we're calling, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, do not resist one who is evil. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, give him your cloak as well. If anyone would force you to go with him a mile, then you go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you. Do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And let me show you another time when Jesus gave the same teaching in a different place, and he changed it up a little bit. And this is found in Matthew chapter 20. Sorry, Matthew chapter... Sorry, start over. In Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter, here's what he says. He says the same thing. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. And then he goes on. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. But love your enemies do good, and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And here's, the, here's what I really want you to see. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. So Jesus' focus isn't on what you can do, right, in order to get retaliation. Jesus' calling is on something higher, something better, He's calling us into the heart of God. He's calling us to become like him as, as he is merciful. Be merciful as your heavenly father is merciful. He's calling us to the highest standard, which is to be like God in his mercy. 
And so I, I always find this so challenging for me, myself, you know, to think, yeah, I think that is true. Even of me, I tend to want to give and to bless those who give back to me and who bless me. And yet Jesus is calling me to something higher, to give expecting nothing in return, to give to the ungrateful, to give to the evil. That is a high calling. May God help us to do it. Okay, uh, thank you for that text question. Very good one, and I hope that that brought some clarity. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. You are listening to Calvary Live. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible with your prayer requests. We'd love to answer those questions for you. As if you have any questions like the ones that have already been texted in that today, we'd love to hear more of those and hopefully we can help bring some clarity to some different areas from the Bible or from your life. So give us a call, 303-690-3000 or you can text us 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. 0897. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. And I'd love to hear from you and take your calls and texts on the air. I'm your host every Friday. Today I'm filling in for um, for another pastor. I'm totally spaced on his name, Jeff Figs. I'm filling in for Jeff Figs, my brother up in Greeley, Colorado. So Jeff can't be here today and I'm happy to fill in. And I'd love to hear from you, pray for you, and answer your questions and take your prayer requests 303-690-3000 that's 303-690-3000 or text us 720-336-0897 i wanted to tell you just one more time if you missed it at the front end of the show that our church recently moved so we are now on the east side of the city of longmont we're still in longmont proper but we are right in between maybe like the the center of longmont and highway uh, I-25. So we're right on uh, Colorado Highway 119, which is also called Ken Pratt Boulevard, which is kind of main thoroughfare in and out of town from I-25 into Boulder as well. And so we are right here on Highway 119. I'm actually looking out my window at the Flatirons and at Highway 119, which is uh, a beautiful thing to see. And so we'd love to have you come and visit us sometime on a Sunday morning. Our church meets at 9 and 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And we'd love to have you. We are keeping all the CDC and State of Colorado guidelines for um, social distancing, keeping safe from the coronavirus. But we'd love to have you and your family worship with us this Sunday. You can find out more information on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And if you'd like to write down our address, here it is, 2950 Colorful Avenue. It's 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504. And uh, we'd love to have you come and worship with us this Sunday. We are going to be studying through, we, we've been in a study of First Kings. And it's, it's, you know, you might think First Kings, really, you're studying that during the pandemic. But I got to tell you, this has been a, a series of messages that have been so incredibly relevant that it has actually surprised me. I mean, I actually knew ahead of time that they were going to be pretty relevant, but it has really... Um, surprised me how relevant these messages are. And I, I find that to be true. You know, one of the things that I, I love studying in the Bible, I, I think about what it says in Proverbs chapter 2. Let me read that to you. Proverbs chapter 2, this has been kind of one of my uh, guiding verses in my life and in my study, and hopefully it can minister to your heart as well. Here's what it says, Proverbs chapter 2, starting in verse 1. 
My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. I find that so interesting because it's saying, um, seek after wisdom and search for it like you would search for hidden treasures and how you would search for silver. How do you do those things? You have to mine for them, right? They're underneath the surface. And so as we study Old Testament, for example, in First Kings, what we're doing is, okay, we're trying to get underneath the text and see what are the things that God is showing us and teaching us through this text what are the ways in which this ultimately points us to the true king jesus and his eternal kingdom and so this coming sunday we're going to be looking at the life of jeroboam and here's what's so interesting about jeroboam that he essentially is a perfect example of of uh, of something we encounter a lot today and that is that he created his own religion and why did he do it? Well, he did it because it was politically expedient for him. But we see that he also believed in some way that he could manipulate God by creating his own version of God. And so what he did in order to create this version of God is that he borrowed from different religions. So he borrowed a little bit from Judaism. He borrowed a little bit from different pagan religions in the surrounding countries, came up with his own religion, and then created his own priesthood. And then there were times when he tried to get and like manipulate prophets into giving prophecies and things like that. And we can see that this is an example of false worship. And what are the markers of false worship? How do we know whether our worship is true or false? Well, one of the things we see with Jeroboam is that false worship is always an attempt for me to be in control of God rather than surrendering my life to God. It's worth asking yourself this question. I often tell my church to ask themselves this question. Here it is. Do you worship God because you find him useful or because you find him beautiful? Do you seek God? Do you worship God? Do you pursue God because you find him useful to you or because you find him beautiful to you? That is an important difference and it makes a ton of difference in practical outworkings. Now, with Jeroboam, he saw God as something useful to him that he wanted to control and manipulate rather than surrendering himself to God as he had revealed himself and as he had uh, instructed Jeroboam directly. And another thing that, that comes about is that uh, there's this interesting story about a prophet who is told to do something and he doesn't do it exactly and he gets eaten by a lion which is really interesting. But the point here is that uh, this is where disobedience, you know, we see that false worship with Jeroboam. We see it with the prophet unwilling to obey God fully. And it's a warning for us that this is where it goes. But um, yeah, so uh, we have a caller right now. She, she can't be on the air, uh, Lynn and Aurora, but I do have her question. She said, where do the kings and queens originate in the Bible? I think I understand your question, Lynn. Um, hopefully I'm going to answer it, but here's my answer. Uh, the kings come about in 1 Samuel is where we see the first king. 1 Samuel chapter 8 is a really good place to start. That's where we see the choosing of King Saul. And what we get the, here's, here's the big question that's debated a lot. Was Israel ever meant to have a king? Was ever Israel ever intended to have a king? Or were they always supposed to exist as a nation who had God uh, get it at, 
or God as their king. Um, the reason why we would think that maybe they were never supposed to have kings was because um, it says there in First Samuel chapter 8 that as the people were choosing Saul to be their king, God was saying by doing this, they're not rejecting Samuel, who had been the leader of the country, uh, as a, the prophet of God, he had been the leader, and God had been the king, but Samuel had been the human leader. God told Samuel, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. And so there's this idea that by insisting on having Saul as their king, the people are rejecting God. And yet, here's what's so interesting. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 17, which was written hundreds of years earlier, right? Deuteronomy was written by Moses at the end of his life. And Deuteronomy 17 actually gives regulations for the kings and for how the kings are to behave, what they are to do, what they are not to do. So there's kind of two ways to look at this. One way would be to say that God intended for them to have kings, but Saul was not the first king that God intended to give them. Rather, the first king God intended to give was David, a shepherd, a worshiper, that he was the first king that God intended, and the people insisted, so they got Saul as a kind of punishment or judgment. Another way to look at this is that um, they were indeed uh, never meant to have a king at all, but God gave them one only because of the hardness of their heart, because they insisted on being like the other nations around them. So that's where the kings originate, First Samuel. But we see that God there gives a warning that you're going to have these kings, and they will take away from you. They will take your money. They will take your children. They will do all of these things. God warned them ahead of time, and that is exactly what happened. And we see these failings. I'll tell you where I land on that. I think about um, the fact that Jesus is revealed to us as the ultimate king. I, For that reason, I tend to believe that God did indeed want Israel to have kings just not in the way that they insisted that it happen and maybe not in the timing that they insisted it to happen. So I'd be of the camp that says they were meant to have kings because ultimately this is a way that revealed who the Messiah would be. And the idea of king and kingdom is very important. But then um, they, yeah, so they insisted. Another question that was just sent in is, yeah, what about the queens? Some of the, you know, only queens that we see in the Bible uh, there are some good examples. For example, Queen Esther, who was a queen actually in Persia, not in Israel. But uh, there are also some bad examples. So King Ahab had a had a wife named Jezebel, Queen Jezebel, who was particularly wicked. And so uh, that's this idea of kings and queens. It comes about in 1 Samuel. It carries on until the end of the monarchy uh, of Judah. So we see that uh, the Assyrians in 2 Kings, I believe it's chapter 22, the Assyrians came and they took over northern Israel, what was called the kingdom of Israel. And then about 150 years later, 150 or so years later, um, the Babylonians came in and took over the southern kingdom of Judah. And at, at that point, essentially, the monarchies ceased. Now, they did come back and they did have rulers at that time. Um, but those rulers were not of the the uh, lineage and line of David. They were rulers who ruled for a time, and then there were other people who ruled. But we we are missing out on um, the whole the whole um, 
monarchy. So there was this desire for the monarchy to be restored, and that's where Jesus comes in. That's why at the time of Jesus, people were expecting, you know, when is God going to restore the kingdom to Israel? It's literally what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. And what it says there is say, okay, Jesus, now that you've died, now that you've resurrected, Remember, this was the whole thing with Palm Sunday. The people were upset that when Jesus came in, they, they thought they were welcoming him as their king and Jesus' kingdom. He had not come to establish his kingdom on earth yet. And so at the, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 6, we read that they ask him, Jesus, is this the time now when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or the hours that God has set in his authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Judea and Jerusalem and to the ends of the earth. I know that a lot of people right now are asking the question, is this the end of the world, right? Is this, uh, is this the time when Jesus is going to come back? Do you know what Jesus would say if he was here right now and you asked him that question? He would say the exact same thing he said to them, right? He would say, it is not for you to know the times that the Lord has set, the Father has set in his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, in Aurora and Longmont and Denver and Colorado and to the ends of the earth. And, and I, you know, let's I'll give you one last thought. We, we talk about being ready for the coming of the Lord. And a lot of people ask, well, what does it mean to be ready for the coming of the Lord? How can you be ready for the coming of the Lord? Well, read Matthew 24 and 25. And you'll see very clearly, especially Matthew 25, Jesus gives two parables. And the point of the parables is, this is what it means to be ready for the coming of the Lord. And in each case, to be ready for the coming of the Lord means to be actively involved in the mission and the calling that God has given you. So being ready for the coming of the Lord doesn't mean stockpiling things from Costco. It doesn't mean sitting around and saying, is today the day? To be ready for the coming of the Lord means to be busy and active about the callings that God has given you to fulfill his mission in the world. This brings us to the end of our show. Thank you guys for tuning in and listening today. My name is Nick Cady, pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. I'll be with you again on Friday. Hope you have a great evening and a great rest of your day. God bless you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.